Reality Church is a church striving to be biblical. We pray that this sermon would help you in your personal walk. Be blessed. It's uh, as always an honor to be standing in front of my church family. It's a to be at a church that actually feels like family. When I look out, I see the people that I care about the most in this world. Um, I want to get into this. John Bunyan said, a tender heart is a wakeful, watchful heart. It watches against sin in the soul, sin in the family, sin in the calling, sin in spiritual duties and performances. You know, we talked about last week that we are debtors to Christ and for his unbelievable gift. And I pray that the knowledge of that gives all of us a a very tender heart that we may be about the daily work of killing sin and being conformed to the image of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to get into our word today. Now hear the infallible inspired word of God, Romans 8.14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, that it is infallible, inerrant, and it stands the test of time, that it is inspired by the Holy Spirit to be written by the many authors who have authored this book that is the most cohesive book that we have ever seen as far as religion, God. We thank you for this beautiful work in front of us. Thank you for the access that we have to it, that each of us can own our own Bible, that each of us can have our own word in our hands. And even if we have to pull it up on a phone or an electronic device, God, we can access it. We thank you for that. We ask that you would remove the veil, that we may see clear revelation of who you are in the scripture and what you have to say to us in context. Bless us with that knowledge that we may retain it and use it in our daily lives. Holy Spirit, illuminate this for us. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So this verse is short. I don't know what you're thinking. How in the world are you going to preach on this short of a verse? This This short verse packs a punch like you wouldn't believe. There are, I believe, through, the, through Paul, there are three points that are extremely important in this verse that will help us, that we can use and we can retain. And if we do this, it'll change who we are. So I want to go through those three points in depth. Um, and I kind of want to go step by step into these essential points. Let me read the verse again. Uh, if there's any verse you want to memorize... This is probably a good one. It's real easy. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So the first point that I see Paul bringing out in this text is one that we've kind of talked about for the previous weeks. But I think it's something that we can settle now. Led by the Spirit. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit. So let's look at being led by the Spirit. And I think we have to settle for all time 
who these people are that are defined as led by the Spirit. Who are these people? Um, we've spent weeks studying that in depth and settling it through Paul's great masterpiece. But throughout all of chapter 8 so far, Paul has made it clear that only Christians can be described as led by the Spirit. Only Christians. But I think it's more than that. Not only that, I think that this is a description of all Christians. It's not just a, a select few who do certain things that show that they are in the Spirit. Jesus made this promise of the Spirit as another comforter to all of those who are in Christ. We all have received the promise of the Holy Spirit if we're in Christ. Jesus said, I, it's good for you that I go because if I go, I will send another comforter. So he has sent that comforter. And Paul says that those in the Spirit are not in the flesh, right? So those who are in Christ are in the Spirit. Those who are not in Christ are in the flesh. He's making a distinction there. So right now he's talking about those who are led by the Spirit. And he makes so many distinctions. He says uh, that we've gone from slave to sin to slave to righteousness, right? That's, I mean, that's one of the major distinctions he made early on. Uh, from one marriage to another, from a marriage to, 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 to sinfulness to a marriage to, to Christ. Uh, we've gone from under the law to under grace, where law determines righteousness and we know we can't do it, so we must be under grace to be righteous in any way. We've gone from enemies of God to being at peace with God. We've gone from dead in sin to dead to sin and alive to Christ. You see, key thing to remember is that we now belong to Christ if we're His. We have been purchased by His blood. What a great cost that was paid to save us. So, we are Christ's. We belong to Him. Those who are led by the Spirit belong to Christ. Those who have been given a heart of flesh and placed at their heart of stone. Those who have repented and trusted in Christ. Those who are born again. He's talking about you. Led by the Spirit. He's talking about you. We who are Christians are the ones who are led by the Spirit. So Christian, we're going to talk about some really good stuff today. I think you're going to enjoy this one. This one isn't as big of a bludgeon as the past few weeks have been, okay? This is glorious. It's wonderful. Now, I want to talk just a second about what being led means. Um... Unfortunately, uh, being led by the Spirit is kind of a cliche that's happened in the church a little bit. Um, where we say, oh, I was led to do this, I was led to do that. Uh, the Spirit led me to go here, the Spirit led me to leave here and go somewhere else. The Spirit led me to do this, that, or the other in our lives. Um, but I don't think it's that. I don't think that's what we're talking about here. 
sometimes the Spirit's leading will cause us to do something, right? I mean, that's, that's natural if we're in Christ and we see the great gift that He has given us and the Holy Spirit is living inside of us and we're being renewed by the Word of God. Our mind is constantly being renewed. Yes, we are going to do some things, but that's not what we're talking about here. The Spirit is leading our lives into a closer walk with Christ. That's what the leading is. It is leading us with a desire for holiness, for a desire for His Word. Yes, it will lead to godly works. It will. But this is just a byproduct of the Spirit within us. But being led by the Spirit is not necessarily a work. Okay? It is a, listen to me, it's a defining characteristic. It defines who you are. To be led by the Spirit means that I am in Christ. Christ is in me. I am His. He is mine. That's glorious. That's more than just giving to a charity, which is great. If, this, if, 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 if it so moves that you give to a charity, give to a charity. Good charities, yes, definitely. I get Heart Cry Missionary Society. Anybody who's reach, spreading the gospel, great charities. But listen. Being led by the Spirit means that you are in Christ. That the Spirit is alive and working in you. Teaching you the Word. Giving you the desire for holiness. There's more to it than just what you do. Okay? So don't diminish being led like that. Make it the characteristic of your life. That characteristic makes it absolutely sure that we are the sons of God. That's the characteristic that makes it absolutely sure that we are the sons of God. That is not to be confused with the Son of God, okay? Uh, we aren't little Jesuses. We aren't little G-Gods. We aren't little Christ running around. We aren't anything like that. Look, and, and we're going to go further into to what it is, but we are adopted sons and daughters, Look, Jesus is God the Son. He is the second person of the Trinity, and we are nothing like Him, okay? We are saved by Him and clothed in His righteousness. Thankfully, we are clothed in His righteousness because we don't have any of our own. But I want to dig into our sonship. Um, sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Or daughters, okay? You're either a son or a daughter of the, of, of, of the Most High. To me, this title is directly linked uh, to the greatest sermon ever preached. The greatest sermon ever preached. And here's the thing. Yes, I have a top three, okay? I'm a preacher. That makes me a preaching nerd. So I have a top three. Um, they're all in the Bible. Um, and, of course, there's others outside that maybe aren't in the Bible. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by, by uh, Jonathan Edwards is in my top ten. But most of them are in the Bible. And the number three, coming in at number three, Paul preaching at the Areopagus because he comes in there with boldness to people who are depending upon their own knowledge and their own understanding. He comes in there with boldness and he preaches the gospel. He 
He lays it down and he pulls no punches. Number two on the list, Peter on the day of Pentecost. When the man who had just denied Christ preaches the first sermon of the gospel and 3,000 people are saved. That's a good sermon. The gospel was given. The greatest sermon ever preached, however, is the Sermon on the Mount, preached by our Lord. The greatest sermon ever preached, beautifully put together. I want to go to Matthew 5. I'm going to read you verses 1 through 12. And then I want you to see the link, okay? Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, what does this have to do with our son, us being a son of God? I'm glad you asked because I want to really dig in. Because these are descriptive of a son or daughter that has been adopted through Christ. They are absolutely descriptive of us if we have been adopted into the family. Let's, let's look at verse 3. I'm going to take them one at a time, and I want to talk about them a little bit. Verse 3, <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. A son will always be aware that there is an inability within themselves to ever measure up to the standards of God. We understand as sons and daughters of God that we don't have enough to offer. We're poor in spirit. And because we are poor in spirit, we will always lean Upon God. We will always lean upon Christ as our help and our hope. And what's the result of that? It's very clear. They will inherit the kingdom of heaven. We will inherit the kingdom of heaven. That is our inheritance. Understand our citizenship. I've said it a million times if you've listened to me talk at any time. Our citizenship is not of this earth. 
Being an American citizen does not save us. It doesn't even define us. Being a citizen of heaven is the greatest thing we can say about ourselves. That we are, our citizenship is not here. Our hope is in heaven. And our inheritance is the kingdom. Let's read verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I think this one is important to dig into because this is not necessarily talking about mourning for a loss in our families. Yes, we will mourn for people we lose. And yes, God will be our comforter in those times. Absolutely. If we lean upon Him. In context, this is more likely those who would mourn for their sin. That they have grieved God. I mourn for my sin. They will be comforted. How? In the person of Jesus Christ. Because he has taken the punishment for our sin. There's no greater comfort than that. Let's go into verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek. A lot of times we don't want to be meek. But I want, you to, I want to bring this into context because listen to me. Hear me clearly. There are times when we stand and we proclaim the truth. There are times that we have a louder voice. That's not what this is talking about. It's not talking about letting... Letting everything be run over. Because things such as abortion are things that I cannot be silent about. This is an important description, okay? It is a gentleness, okay? It's a gentleness. It's a characteristic of Christ. Christ even talked about how... uh, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, for I am meek and lowly in heart. What he was saying is, I am gentle and I have answers. It's a characteristic of Christ. And not only that, it's a necessary ingredient to a gospel presentation. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. But he doesn't stop there. He says, yet do it with gentleness and respect. We talked about that in our Sunday school class this morning. That the way we give the gospel is with gentleness and respect. We don't compromise, but we do it with gentleness and respect. This points to an importance in the gospel as it relates to the sons of God, okay? Gentleness is an essential ingredient. So the result is that we will inherit the earth. And what does this mean? This is not about us gaining prosperity and all these good things in this earth. It's about the result of the gospel being successful in the earth. That when we give the gospel with gentleness and respect, God's going to draw 
people to himself. And because of that, we are inheriting the earth. How? By bringing people in to also be sons of God. We, as the sons of God, use gentleness as a weapon to spread the gospel all over the world. Let's read verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. This is a key description of a son of God, correct? I mean, uh, we are not satisfied with the things of this world. We desire the things that are more eternal. We are satisfied with the word of God, with prayer, with church, with family worship, with things like that that point to God, worship of God in our lives, righteousness, his glory. The desires of our heart will be satisfied with less than Christ. I love that song, Give Me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. So we will be satisfied. How? Listen to me. Christ is altogether satisfying. There is no more satisfaction than we can receive in Christ. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The merciful. When we give mercy, because we have received such grace, mercy from Christ. How do we give mercy? We share the truth of the gospel with others. We compel people to run to Christ. We call people to repentance. Why? Because that is mercy. Just like the mercy that we've received. Undeserved mercy. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I know the first thing you think. I'm not pure in heart. I still struggle with sin. I still struggle with all these situations. But (laughs) get ready. Pure in heart. There's only one way any man can have a pure heart. If Christ has given him a new one. He doesn't clean up the old one. He gives us a new one. And if Christ has done this, there's a joyous hope. A sure hope. You will see God face to face. Pure in heart, Christ has given you a brand new heart. You are a brand new creature. All of the old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. You have been made clean, washed white as snow. Your heart is washed white as snow. And what's going to happen is you will see God face to face. It is a certainty. You can put a pin in it. It's going to happen. Why? Not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The peacemakers. We were at one time at enmity with God. And through Christ we have been reconciled. Peace has been made between us and God. That's the key to being a son of God. 
We must have a reconciled relationship. No longer enemies, sons. So yes, the peacemakers will be the sons of God. Why? Because they have made peace with their former enemy. We are at peace now with our God. And we are his sons. Verse 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Persecuted. But what does verse 12 say? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We are not meant to be friends of the culture. We don't fit in. We will never be loved by everyone. It's just not going to happen. If we are sons of God and we are proclaiming the truth of God, we're not going to be loved by everybody. We will face persecution. What do we do who are led by the Spirit do in that case? What do we do? We naturally want everybody to like us. It's not going to happen. We naturally want to fit in. We're never going to. What do we do when people turn against us? Speak evil of us. Say that we're judgmental because we're telling the truth or... Or we're unloving because we, we, we speak about Christ and what he has said. Rejoice. That's what we do. What a great reward awaits us in heaven. And listen to me. It will be worth all that you've suffered on this earth. If we share the gospel without compromise and live our lives in Christ, we will never feel that our lives were for nothing. Because at the end, when your eyes close... You will never say on your deathbed, man, I wish I hadn't loved God so much and loved his word and tried to share so much. You'll never say that on your deathbed. Ever. No regrets, right? Because you know as soon as your eyes close and you draw your final breath, do you know what the next sight you will see is? The face of the very Savior that you have lived your entire life to see. That's what the next sight will be. It will always be worth it. It will always be worth it. I challenge you. Go ahead and study through Matthew 5. You won't regret it. Like I said, greatest sermon ever preached. And Christ continues with a lot more powerful word. Through that he talks about specific things like being salt and the light. He talks about anger. He talks about all these things that, that help us to live a better life. But, but I, I, I don't think we can end this discussion without talking about the most important part of all this. We've talked about being led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit means you are a Christian. You do have a relationship that's different with God now because you are led by the Spirit. You have repented. You have trusted in Christ. And now... You are a son of God. You're not the son of God. You're a son of God. You are adopted into the family. 
And that brings about the most important part of this. You now have a Father in heaven. Not a holy God ready at the end of your life to to bring about your just works have brought you to a point of, of being under His wrath. Not that God anymore. You now have a Father in heaven. Our Father is what we say when we pray the Lord's Prayer. I want to talk about the Father. I pray that this portion of what we talk about this morning changes your life. Because it can. Our Father calls us to Himself. He calls us home. John 6.44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus said that. What we need to understand is that we are the gift given to Christ for what he has done in accomplishing redemption. He has, the Father has called us home. And then, he forgives us. I don't know about you, but before I repented and trusted in Christ, I was in rebellion constantly to God. I was not good. I did evil. I sinned constantly. But the Father forgives us. Through the blood of Christ, we're made sons. And not only that, He continues to forgive us just like I can't help but think of the prodigal. When he remembers what he had in his father's house and he repents and he runs back to him. And what happens? The father places the robe on him, gives him the ring, says, wash up, put put some sandals on your feet. Let's have a feast. He forgives. No matter how awful it was, he forgives The Bible says that if we confess our sin, He is what? Faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then, He begins to make us and mold us. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, listen to this, You are our Father, We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. He makes us. He molds us. How does he do that? By the Spirit. Sometimes he disciplines and chastises us. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6 says, 
And have you forgotten the exhortation that addressed you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son who he receives. We as sons and daughters are going to, guess what, need correction sometimes. And I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, convicting us and showing us those times when we need to be chastised. We need to be disciplined. It would be unloving of me if Arlie Ray, when we get home, just I just let her go. And I just sit there and let her do whatever she wants and wreck whatever she wants and break whatever she wants. That would be unloving of me. But instead, when she does wrong, she's disciplined. Why? Not because I don't like her. I love her very dearly. Because I'm her father and I want her to understand that she, does ne- she never needs to do that again. So the discipline of the Lord is a grace that he gives us. And then, through all this, he gives us the greatest inheritance. Heaven. We will inherit the kingdom of God. What a great father. But I want you to understand the most important thing about our father. I don't know what your relationships were like with your fathers. But I venture to say there's some point in your life when you can think back and my father disappointed me at this point. It's going to happen. It's going to happen for Arlie Ray, for me. It's going to happen for everybody here. At some point, your father is going to disappoint you in some way. Maybe he didn't follow through on something he said he was going to do or something like that. But listen. This is the most important thing about our Father, if we are sons of God. Our Father follows through. You see, He made a promise to redeem a people. To Abraham, He said, Your descendants will be like the stars of the sky, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. He made a promise to redeem them. And he has done it through Christ. The promise he made to redeem, he follows through on. We will see the fruits of this when we leave this life because we will be with him. We will be with our Father. You see, God has always been redeeming of people. And now we are justified through Christ, sanctified through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we will be glorified at the end of this life. We will have a complete salvation because our Father follows through on what he says. And is this not one of the most beautiful promises in Scripture? That what he promised to do, he will finish it. It will be done.
You see, we've gone from enemies. And understand this. We've gone from enemies to sons. I think about uh, my good friend, James White, who just recently completed the adoption of three beautiful children. Do you know how he describes those children to me? Never once has he said, those kids I adopted. Never once has he even said, my adopted children. He always says, my kids. My children. My sons and daughters. Why? Because he has adopted them into his family. And if we can see such a great example here of adoption on this earth between his family, what greater adoption have we been adopted into if we are in Christ? We are adopted into his family through the awesome power of the gospel because Christ has died to make us this way. Christ has died to save us from our sins and bring us into a reconciled relationship with God where we go from the very enemies of God to the sons and daughters of God. That is the power of the gospel. And I pray that that changes your heart this morning. Whether you're in Christ or not, let that change your heart this morning. I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for your people, for the love that you have given us through the power of Jesus Christ, your drawing of us to save us, that we repent and trust in Christ and our hearts are changed and we are forever your sons and daughters. We thank you for that. Let every Christian who hears this understand the beauty and the glory of that salvation. And Father God, right now we pray for the enemies of God. That they would see this great salvation. That they would hear this beautiful gospel. And that they would be cut to the heart. That they must repent. They must turn to Christ before it's too late. Convict them, Father. Sinner, run to Christ. He is your only hope. And we pray for those people in our lives. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us and in us and this great adoption with which we have been saved. In Jesus' name, amen.